Come on, if you know you got a purpose, can you make some noise? Say hallelujah. Woo, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you came today. Amen. I am so happy that you are in the house of God today. I am excited. We are in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. Today's message is a part two from what we learned last week. Someone say the gospel. Thank you. So I want you to give me your best listening ear and your attention today because I have to get right into the message. So many things to discuss today, but I'm so happy you're here. How do you choose a plane? I put this on Facebook and I want to talk to you about it now. How do you choose a plane when you go to the airport? Assuming that you've purchased your tickets, let's say you want to go from O'Hare to Dallas. You get to the airport, they check your bags, all of those things happen. How now are you going to pick your plane? Are you going to walk around and look for the plane that has the biggest engines, fellas? Are you going to look for the, the biggest engines on those planes? Or ladies, maybe your favorite colors? Are you going to start to walk around? and ask the, the people, which one is the newest plane? Which one is the biggest plane? Might you take it to another level and start to ask yourself, who's going to be the pilot? So you don't know, so you start asking the flight attendants or the people, I want to know who the pilot is. I want to know what culture they are. Are they white, black, Latino, Middle Eastern? Are they Asian? Do you start to look at the people in the lines at the gate about ready to go onto the plane? Do you only like to fly with people your age, your culture, your economic status, your fashion? Or do you go to the companies and start to ask them, what uh, movies are you going to play today on the plane? And then you pick your plane based on the movie. Or like many of us wish we could do, do you go to the airport and say, I want to pick the closest plane to the gate so I don't have to take all five of my kids throughout this whole entire airport? Is that how you pick a plane when you come to the airport? No, you take that ticket and you look at the gate and the flight and that tells you the plane, does it not? That plane is your plane. So, for example, you're flying from, or, uh, from here, ORD, O'Hare to Dallas. They may say gate 5, flight 2861 is your plane. Now that you are there, it will be irregardless of all those other things. You will not care about the newness of the plane as long as it's good and working. It doesn't have to be your favorite color. The pilot doesn't have to be your culture. The passengers getting onto the plane don't have to dress like you, have money like you, raise their children like you. It doesn't matter how far the gate is from the entrance, you're willing to walk to get there. Can I hear an amen? Now that you have picked a plane, you are ready to go to the right destination. But is that how in our culture today we pick churches? Do we pick churches based on destinations? Sadly, we do not. We look around for the churches that are closest to our homes, to a pastor that looks like us, to people in the chairs who dress like us, talk like us, are the same culture as us. We look at the church building and make sure it's nice and big and comfortable. We look at the music and prefer it to be our style, gospel over rock, maybe this over that. And we pick these churches, and now is it any wonder with pastors seeing how people pick churches that the models have become seeker sensitive, seeking out the customer who is now consumer driven, wanting their needs met a certain way. They did a survey of the 80% of Americans that called themselves Christians and asked them key questions if they are really Christians indeed or whether or not they are just consumers of religion. 
And they found out that only 4% of so-called Christians in Christian churches today have a worldview as Jesus taught. That means only 4 out of 100 Christians that you know in this city actually believe the Bible as it was taught. And for those of you who think it may be controversial issues, it had nothing to do with women wearing makeup, had nothing to do with whether you drank alcohol or didn't, homeschooled or did not, listened to secular music. No, they asked them just these key questions. Do you believe the Bible is the only word of God, incomparable to the Book of Mormon or the sayings of Buddha? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way, no other way to heaven? Do you believe in a literal hell where the lost people go? And do you believe that Jesus is coming back to physically judge you and then to physically raise his people from the dead to rule and reign with him? Only four out of a hundred believe that. Because churches have been serving up a false destination. And people have been picking their planes accordingly. You see, if you went to the airport and didn't pick a church based on the gospel and just uh, did what you would want to do and went and picked a church just like how you would pick an airplane, you may be on an airplane headed to Beijing instead of Dallas. You don't pick airplanes that way, and you shouldn't pick a church that way. Now, some of you say, I just feel my heart. Well, your heart should be smart enough to pick a plane because picking a church would be harder. So next time, don't look at your ticket. Let your heart find your gate. See how accurate your heart is. Follow the Word of God. It's your ticket. Pick a church based on the information that it says. Now I've got to make it a little bit more uh, up in your face, maybe step on some toes, so please be patient with me. I don't mean to be rude, but I need to do this. Because churches have switched the destination, they're now telling you those stories wrong in the Bible. Let me give you this. Now, this may be to you theatrical, but I mean it from my heart, and I really want you to see this example. And what I mean by this is they'll pick out a story in the Bible, and they'll pick out a story, and because they have the wrong destination, they put you as the wrong character. Let me give you an example of this. Let's say you turned on T.D. Jakes today. Now, you have to understand, I love these men. I believe most of them love Jesus too. But if you listen to the most popular preachers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, this is how they will preach to you. There was a man at the pool of Bethesda. He was there for many years. No one was able to bring him in. He would see the waters move and know that when that happened, the angel was stirring it up, but he had nobody to put him in, so he remained there for years. Jesus came to him. Tap your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming to you. Jesus came to the man and said, do you want to get well? Some of you are going through problems right now and the problems that you have in your life. Have you sick next to the pool of Bethesda? But I came to tell you, Jesus is asking you, do you want to get well? Tap somebody's say, yes, I want to get well. Now, the very next day, if you're at this conference that he's only charging you $150 to go to and $75 to watch on demand, they will now start over again. Now you're not the man at the pool. Now you're dead Lazarus in the grave. The next preacher comes up. Some of you are dead on the inside. You feel like Lazarus. You're in a grave. You're stinking. How many of you know right now there's some dead things in your life? How many want to get called out by Jesus? Jesus is on the way. Now, they may not pray, preach like this. Joel Osteen will say it a little different. Brothers and sisters, how many of you feel that you've got dead things on the inside of you? 
Jesus is coming to you. He's going to call you out. Lazarus, come forth. Business, come forth. Prosperity, come forth. Tap somebody, say, I'm coming out of this grave. Then the next service, the next conference speaker comes up. Now you're the woman with the issue of blood. How many of you are bleeding out right now and got issues? Come on, tap somebody. Say, I got issues. I got issues. How many of you here got issues? You've got issues in your life. You're bleeding. Everything you got is leaving you. You are about ready to pass out and die. But if you can't touch Jesus... I mean this, listen to me. But if you can touch Jesus, there's a healing for you. There's a healing for your issues. You're going to get healed from those issues that have been troubling you. No man could help you. You see, because they don't know your destination. They put you in the story as a dead man every week. Every week they put you in the story as the crippled Every week they put you in the story as the blind man. I can't see you, God. I don't know where you're at, God. Son of David, have mercy. Is that the destination of a Christian? Am I continually bleeding in this world? Am I continually blind in this world? Am I continually dead in this world? What does the Bible itself say? By the way, that's allegorical preaching. That's taking a story and then coming up with mystical meaning to apply it to a person that wasn't there. I'm not the sick man at the well. I am not a blind man. Are you listening? We may relate to these stories, and I preach like that sometimes. There's an encouragement to see yourself in the Bible, but that's not what the Bible says. This is what it's all about. This is not the destination for Christians. You're a sinner. Yes, you're like Lazarus, dead in a, 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 a tomb. Yes, you're bleeding out if you don't know the Lord. Yes, you could be allegorical in that way. Yes, you are by the pool of Bethesda without Christ, unable to help yourself, waiting for someone to put you in. But this is how now in 1 John 4, 17, love is made complete among us. This is the destination here. This is what Jesus came for so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. How many got confidence on the day of judgment? How many aren't scared of the day of judgment? Because in this world, we are like Jesus. Y'all ain't got it yet, but I'm going to get you there. Matthew chapter 28, 18 and onward, how much authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Who was the first one to make disciples? Jesus. What does he say to his disciples? Go make disciples. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, who was the first one to preach the gospel? Jesus, starting the book of Mark, he preached the gospel. What does he now say to his disciples? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creation. What does it say in Acts chapter 1, 7 through 8? But you shall receive power. Who was the first one to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the dove come upon them? Come on, what's his name? 
Who was the one to say, I am anointed to heal the sick, to preach to the poor? Come on, who's the one that did that? But he says, now you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Come on. And the last one, John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, y'all ready for me to preach? In the story of Lazarus, you're not Lazarus. You're Jesus coming with the power of the Holy Spirit, resurrecting a dead world. Christ is in you. You are the one coming to the pool of Bethesda where there are crippled people in this world, giving them the miracle of God. You are the witness. You are the one sent by God. The gospel is your identity and your message. That's who you are in the story. In this world, we are like Jesus. Do you see the difference? And it breaks my heart that we have been conditioned by religion to keep seeing ourselves as the woman at the well. You ain't that woman no more. You know Jesus. You're not a dead person in a grave anymore. You've been born again. You are not a demoniac anymore. You are set on fire for Jesus. You say, Pastor, what if I think I'm that sometimes? We'll remember who you are and pray to him because he says now he hears your prayers. You're not bleeding out as some woman having to just get to the hem of his garment. You're sitting on daddy's lap in heavenly places. You are a king's kid. My children aren't walking around going, Dad, have mercy on me. Where's the food? I'm a good dad. They go to their closet, there's clothes. They go into the kitchen, there's food. Know who you are. Know the destination. Some of you, sadly, listen to me. Sadly, some of you, you want to remain on the teeth of religion. And you want to be told week after week, you're just a poor little sinner, you. And nobody's coming to you. And now in this service with my tap dancing, I'm going to get Jesus to come. And then he's going to come help you. But as you walk out these doors, you're going to leave Jesus here. And you're going to go get beat up the whole entire week. Won't know who you are. And then you will come right back here waiting for your miracle because you're so busted and disgusted, you don't know who you are. He said to the demoniac that got set free, go start churches, go preach the gospel. That man preached the gospel all over the known world at that time. The woman at the well, these people became mighty warriors for Jesus. You know, Onesimus in the Bible, which is based on Philemon, it's the book of Philemon, but it's about a runaway slave named Onesimus that Paul led to the Lord in his jailhouse ministry. He became one of the greatest elders in the church. Step out of your past and into your future. Stop waiting for someone to tell you who you are. Know who you are and live like who you are. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm tired of him. Come and look at your other neighbor and say, I'm tired of it. I'm not saying it doesn't encourage me. Yeah, it encourages me sometimes just like it does you. But I'm tired of seeing myself as the demoniac, the dead, the blind, the lame. 
just waiting for a crumb, just waiting for one visitation, just waiting for Jesus to call me down off a tree like Zacchaeus. That's not who I am. That's who I was without Christ. And listen to me, if you don't know Jesus, you are like that. You are the blind man. You don't know your left hand from your right. You are like Zacchaeus just trying to get a peek at what we're doing today, climb a tree to find, uh, find Jesus. But in Christ today, somebody say, in Christ, we're not the blind man. We're not the woman with the issue of blood. We're not the woman at the well. We're not the sick man at the pool. We're not dead, Lazarus in a grave. In this world, since we have been born again, we are like Jesus. We share in Jesus' identity. We are like him, helping the hurting, preaching to the poor, and seeing them saved. The same anointing that was upon him has come upon me. The same power that was upon him has come upon me. I see Christ in me in this world, and the world is changing. Can I hear an amen? Look at your neighbor and say, let's get it on. Amen. Let's go to the gospel now. Are you ready for it? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and onward. Here we are. This is where we get the gospel from. It's places like this in the scriptures. Once again, I'm not here to put you down if you like preaching like that. Most of you never even knew the difference. But I hope now you know the difference. And I'm not mocking them. I hope you didn't think I was mocking them. I'm just trying to wake you up today. See who you are as a different destination. I'm in Christ. I'm not the person at the well anymore. Come on. Look at what the Bible says. Praise be. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Let's see if Paul can confirm this preacher. Amen. Because I better not be preaching something different than what Paul said. Are you listening? Let's see what Paul said. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who wants you to beg and plead for every little thing you got because you're just a little poor sinner waiting for him to pass by. Is that what it says? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, read it with me. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are no longer the beggars. We are no longer the dead and separated from him. We're the ones sitting on Papa's lap. We're the ones with an inheritance. You've got more than a ticket to heaven. You have an inheritance even on this earth. It says right here as we continue on, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be what? What was, your, what was your point of doing all of this, Jesus? For us just to be your little minions, you're just your little worker bees struggling through life. No, you chose us before creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in your sight. I'm not a woman bleeding out. You say, Pastor, do you got issues? I've got issues, but the, yeah, and I've got problems, but they've been solved by the problem solver. I've got issues, but it's been resolved. What happens when you doubt? That's when they get big. There was winds and waves when Peter was walking on the water before he started walking on the water. What made the difference when he started to slip and fall? He saw winds and waves more than the master. You always will have problems. Jesus said to always be here. But he said, be of good cheer because I am here and I've overcome the world. Do you see yourself holy and blameless or do you just see the temptation and the sin of this world? In love, he predestined us for adoption. For what? For adoption is sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And let me clarify this. If you listen to that kind of preaching, that's fine. I do too. That's how I know how to preach like that. But you better know who you are in the story. Know who you are in the story. You've been redeemed and purchased. Amen. In him we have redemption through his blood. 
the forgiveness of sins. How many have redemption? How many have forgiveness in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us? Do you have more than enough grace today? Do you have more than enough? Do you need to go begging for it? You have it, don't you? Does my son have more than enough water in the house today? Does my son have more than enough food in the house today? Does he have more than enough clothes to wear? Come on, somebody. If I know how to take care of my children, how much more God take care of us? He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. If you say today, I don't know the will of God, you haven't spent a lot of time with Jesus because Jesus said he's made known to you the will. He's made known to you the will of God. If you don't know who to marry, you're not reading your word and praying right. He'll tell you who to marry. If you don't know what career to take, you haven't been spending time in prayer and devotion. If you get alone with God in the secret places, he'll tell you who your husband is, the job you're to have. The Bible actually says he gives wisdom to everybody if they ask for it and doesn't hold anything against them. That means even Donald Trump today, if he asked for wisdom, God would give it to him. And that means if uh, Hillary Clinton asked for wisdom, God would give it to her. And if all of our senators and all the people in the House of Illinois who raised our taxes, if they just asked God for half a brain, God would give it to them. You all get quiet. You like taxes? Raise your hand if you want more taxes. I'll make sure they come to you. What does the Bible say? He's lavished us with all of these things. Why have we made it so complex? Go back to you and your children. Why is it so hard for my child to obey? It's not that they're hard of hearing. Praise God, they have good hearing. It's not that they're not intelligent. Praise God, they have wonderful intelligence. It's not that they don't remember. Praise God, they remember all kinds of things. Things that I forget, they remind me of all the time. Like times I'm supposed to take them to the park, and the day I'm supposed to get them food, and this thing I'm supposed to do for them. They remember everything. But yet they can't remember. Stay outside until we come. You know, in the backyard. You know? Don't fight with each other. Don't go into Joy's crib. I have an eight-year-old that loves to camp out in Joy's crib. Don't go into the crib. But yet, why do they forget? Is it because they can't hear, don't remember, don't know no better? No, it's because they make choices not to hear. They make choices to disobey. Why is it so many people are outside the will of God? Yes, there are some who have no idea what it is. But for those of us here in the church, you know what it is. Why you don't, uh, why you don't know the will of God or aren't doing it? Because you're not obeying. When was the last time you prayed? How much time have you put in his book as you put in Facebook? Come on. You pick up the phone instead of picking up your prayer life and talking to the Lord, and you wonder why you don't know. This is the same thing for pastors as it is for anybody else. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, and he's going to put all these things in effect when the times reach their fulfillment. He's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The kingdom of God is coming. Can I hear an amen? Look at verse 11. In him you were chosen, having been predestined to the plan of him who works out how many things? Everything. Everybody say everything. He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. How many things are you going through today that God's working out to the conformity of his will? How many things? Help me preach. How many things? Do you believe it? Well, pastor, what if I make a mistake? Your wrongs can never take away his right. His, your wrongs will never take away his right. Now, you may say, well, I'm going to do all the wrong I can. That won't go good for you. The righteous may fall seven times, the Bible says, but he picks them up every time. What was the difference between Peter and Judas? Judas quit. Peter kept going. They both denied him. They both betrayed him. But Judas said, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm a coward. I don't want to face him. Peter went back to fishing. Jesus went after him. He went after Judas too. God will always go back after the backslider. How many know God has come after some of you? 
when you've backslidden, when you've done things wrong. But God does it for a purpose of his will because he doesn't want sin. But if you sin, he'll use it for his good, and he'll show you that sin is bad. He'll have you remember that taste in your mouth that made you puke that day. Come on. He'll show you that this is not for you. In order that we were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. They set the standard, these first disciples. Let's read verse 13 together. One, two, three. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Do you see the destination? Come on. How many see it? Where are you right now? You were included in Christ. Paul wrote this sitting in a Roman jail cell. Did he have problems? Yes, he did. But he could look at that Roman soldier guarding him and say, you may have my body, but my spirit's in heavenly places. I may be in Rome, but I'm also in heavenly places in Christ right now. There is a truth that we need to get with our destination. Don't let that example go by you now as I keep on preaching. Where is your destination for this thing? What churches are you going to? What messages are you listening to? What are you choosing to call your end game? What is the goal? Paul said that I may know him. That was the goal and to be like him and to have a death like him and be raised like him. Come on, somebody. This is the goal. This is the hope. This is why we leave all things behind and come after Jesus. We want salvation, and we want it in him. We want to know Christ. We want to be sealed in him. Can I get an amen? And as I said, you have more than just a ticket to heaven. You have an inheritance because you're adopted. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? The Holy Spirit inside of us is that inheritance promising us the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The spirit and soul is redeemed now. What gets redeemed when he comes back? The body. Jesus died on the cross and rose not a spirit, but a physical body and a spirit in a body. But he did that so why? So that men could have eternal bodies, so that men could live forever upon the new earth. How many believe that? Amen. So that's the message. Now I want to keep on preaching it. Here we go with these definitions from last week. Truth is all that responds to God's reality. Aletheia in the Greek, gospel evangelion, the good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Do you see how when you believe the gospel, it changes your destination? It changes the way you look at where you're going in life, doesn't it? And you don't see the stories the same anymore. Can I get an amen? And salvation means soteria, to be delivered from sin. How many have been delivered from sin? How many have been delivered from judgment? You know you're not going to hell. God may judge you on good works to reward the believer, but you're not going to be judged on the works of going to heaven or hell. It's by grace through faith that you're saved. Amen? And all that you do now is storing up those treasures in heaven. And remember this, not everybody gets the same treasures in heaven. It is not a socialist heaven. Some of you will be walking around with a crown, but it may be like a Burger King crown. And others of you, it may take a couple angels to bring that bad boy over. Boop, boop, boop. Here it comes. Now, some of y'all are just saying, well, I'll just be happy to be there because, you know, it would be good to be in heaven. And that's true. You'll be happy to be there because it's better than hell. But you know what you do with your crown that represents the life works? You lay it at his feet. And I want to lay at my Jesus' feet a crown that's worthy of the life he gave me. He was willing to live and die for me. I can live and die for him. Amen. Is what, you're do, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Do you have your eyes set on those days? Because whatever we give to God in the gospel remains in the kingdom to come. If I work my job unto God in the gospel, I get to keep the rewards that I had on this earth. 
But if I do this, church, unto my vain glory and my own vanity, I will lose those rewards when I go to heaven. If you work your job just for your family, when you go to heaven, you're going to lose the reward of working your job just for your family. But if you work that job for God in your family, you will have the rewards of being a hard worker for eternity as a gift to give God. Are you listening? So what are you doing, what you're doing for? What's the back reason why you do what you do? Why do you go to your job? Why do you work hard? We do it for Jesus in the gospel, amen? And believed is pestua to put our trust in Jesus. And so Paul made reference to the gospel in these other parts of Ephesians. You can go back and check it out. But I got to get through these 12 facts today. Are you ready for them? Can I hear an amen? Okay, fact number one, Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus went all throughout the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what? The good news, which is the same word gospel, of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Do you understand this is what we do now? How many believe that? This is you in the story. Do y'all get this? Can I just see a couple of amens or nods? Do y'all get it? This is you in the story now. You're not the blind man in the story. You're not the sick one in the story. This is you in the story like Jesus. Because why? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. My passion comes from his compassion. That's why I preach. Because they were harassed, helpless, sheep without a shepherd. Who are these people? The lost. Are you still sheep without a shepherd? What does Psalm 23 says? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Praise God. We are now with the shepherd going to rescue the lost sheep, co-laborers with Christ. Now watch this if you don't believe me. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the conference attendees are few. We need more conference attendees. Guys, come on. What's going on around here? Is that what he said? The harvest is plentiful, but the worship concert attendees are few. We need to fill up the United Center and all sing together. How great is our God. I love that song, but let's just hold hands. Here we go. We're threatening the devil right now. We're intimidating him because we all got together and sang. He's running away from us. Oh, the devil will love just to keep you in church being an attendee. Oh, y'all got to hear me right now. Some of you got to hear this right now. Praise and worship will put the devil to flight, but you got to be willing to put your feet to where you've been singing. If you don't claim the grounds you've sung over, the devil just laughs at us singing. Well, just ask yourself, how many concerts has our city had and how many things have changed? How many gospel concerts have we had and how many things have changed? Oh, I'm asking you. How many church services have you attended and how many things have changed? My friend, you can put a pig inside of, a, uh, inside of an airport hangar and then strap a, a little flight number on it, but it doesn't make it a plane. You can sit inside of a McDonald's. All you want doesn't make you a hamburger. We can put sinners in our conferences and our concerts all day long and then not change them. It's the gospel that changes them. So this is what he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is where it gets back to you guys. Are you a worker or are you a whiner? See, the worker says, I'll get out and work. The whiner says, it's too hot. The whiner says, nobody likes me out there. The whiner says, well, who's going to help me? The worker says, let's go. It's work to be done. It's work to be had. Now watch this right here. You have never heard Jesus say something as simple as this when it comes to prayer. 
Even the Our Father can get some of y'all messed up in there. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But you've never heard it so simple, so don't be confused. And I pray I never forget this. Here you go. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Why is it some of us get confused over the, uh, the, our, Lord, the, the our Father prayer? Because it says, give us this day our daily bread, right? Some of y'all eating more than your daily bread. You got confused. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hello. Some, the Bible says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of y'all been in a lot of temptation. Ain't got that one down yet, right? The Bible, says, get, the Bible says it like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some of y'all haven't forgiven people their sins, but you sure enough want to be forgiven. But I can help make it even simpler for you right here for those of you who got confused over the Lord's Prayer. If you may say, Pastor, I've tried to pray for a new car. I've been praying for my coworker to change. I've been praying for my boss to get saved. All these things maybe you haven't seen answered yet. And that's true. There's some patience that you have to have. But I double-dog dare you to pray this prayer. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you will send out harvesters into your harvest field. Amen. It's you. Go. He will answer you within 30 seconds. You will see your first prayer answered faster than you can even say, thank you, Jesus. The moment the words leave out your mouth, send forth laborers. The email will already pop up. You have a letter. There's an email inbox. It will be right there waiting for you. You're the answer. Go. Go. How many are willing to go with Jesus? It's okay to have fun in church, but we're serious. Jesus said that he made disciples live for the gospel. This is where we get that confused destination. Well, I thought we were supposed to just get saved and preachers were supposed to preach the gospel. Look at what it says. Mark 8, 34, Jesus called the crowds to him and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves, take up the cross, follow me. Why do we take up our cross? Because we live the crucified life. It's not about our wants and desires. Where did those go? On the cross. Our desires for safety and for a prosperous life, where do they go? They go on the cross. Now, can God still keep us safe? Can he still bless us? Yes, but it's through the cross. Everything is cross-filtered. Maybe the best place for you to be is in a dangerous situation. Why? Because you already know if you die, you go to heaven. People around you will go to hell. Lay down your life for them. Jesus said, deny yourself. Whatever excuse you have, you must deny. You take up your cross. Whatever thing you're living for that's not God must die. And then you follow him, not the conference speaker, not even the pastor. Only follow Paul as Paul's following Christ. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. There's a word that comes right after me and for me and the what? The gospel. You don't just lay down your life for a figure in your mind. You don't just say, well, I believe in Abraham Lincoln, and then just go off and do what you want. Jesus is not your Abraham Lincoln. He is not just a historical figure that you pay mental assent to, like I believe, and you're so awesome because you just did that. You give mental assent, and you give your life and obedience to the thing you believe in. Do you really believe Nazi Germany is bad? Well, if you start seeing people waving swastikas around, what are you going to do? Hello, do you believe slavery is bad? If people start wearing KKK outfits, what do you do? Do you believe there's a hell? How many believe that? When you see sinners on the way to hell, what do you do? Come on, what do you do? You lay down your life for Jesus and the gospel. And the gospel. Well, I love Jesus, but I'm not called to preach. You didn't meet the fisher of men then. 
Because the first thing he said to his disciples was, come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And Mark, when he called them unto himself, the 12, he called those who he wanted to be unto himself, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. If you have not heard the gospel being sent through you, if you haven't heard the call to let the gospel go through you, I question whether or not it's come to you. If the gospel has come to you, it will go through you. Try to hold back Fox River. Go in the Fox River. Try to hold it back. I'm going to hold back Fox River. Here I am. <sighs> you ever seen the Mississippi? Now imagine the river of God's power through the gospel coming through you right now. Paul, uh, Jeremiah said, I tried to hold it in, but it was like fire shooting up in my bones. I had to get it out. I question you. If the gospel's not going through you, has the gospel come to you? For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Listen to verse 38. Those of you who say, I'm an introvert, and I don't really want to do this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will what? Be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with his holy angels. You better stop being ashamed of the gospel. I'm not embarrassed to call what God says sin, sin. T.D. Jakes won't do it with Oprah Winfrey. Maybe he does it behind closed doors, but I haven't seen him do it on the show, Super Soul Sunday. Carl Lentz won't do it when he's asked, what about this and what about that? I just would to God they would put me on the talk show. Call me up Steve Harvey. Call me up Oprah Winfrey. Call me up Katie Couric. I promise to do it with a smile on my face. I'll tell you what sins are. I'm not ashamed. I'll tell you what hell is. Jesus talked about it more than he did heaven. Why? Because heaven wasn't a bribery for you. It was a place to be with him. So he didn't have to go beyond that. I'll be there. That's enough. You're not going there for streets of gold. You're not going there to live out some Pokemon fantasy fish all day long with grandpa. I'm there. That's enough. Come where I'm at. There'll be mansions. There'll be rooms. There'll be streets to walk on that are like gold. But I'm there. Do you want it? But then this is what he said hell was, gnashing of teeth, weeping, regret, pain, sorrow, fire never dies, worm never dies. He gives an illustration. Jesus gives an illustration of it. Man begging for another man to take water, put it on his finger, and touch his lips with it. That's the illustration we're given. And yet he's told he gets no other chance. Are you ashamed of God in this sinful generation? Or are you excited to share his gospel? A gospel of love. A gospel that says God so loved the homosexual community. When I first came to this city, I wanted to go to the worst area, just as I did in New Orleans. I preached the gospel on Bourbon Street in the French Quarter every Friday, Saturday night for almost seven years. When I came to Chicago, I said, show me those same places here. I preached the gospel by God's grace to Boys Town for almost three and a half years. I've seen every kind of person saved. I've seen transgender people saved, homosexual, lesbian. Are you listening to me? But what I've never seen saved is a prideful person who won't bow their knee to Jesus. I have never seen that kind of person saved. Why? Because only the humble are saved. Only those who humble themselves before the mighty hand of God does he lift up. Can I hear an amen? Jesus promised the gospel would be preached to the whole world. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. Out of the 80% of Christians you see in the world today, how many Christians do you see right now that are on fire for Jesus? Out of all of the churches, all the places we can go today, how many are burning bright for Jesus? I'm not saying we're the only ones. Please don't hear me as that. I sometimes have people accuse me, well, you just think you're the only one. No, I don't. 
No, I don't. Thank God Metro Praise International is not the only church in this city. How many are happy about that? Otherwise, the church of Chicago is in a pitiful, pitiful state. There needs to be many more of us, amen? But why is it so many have loved, have grown cold? Do you think it's because of the seeker-sensitive model that preachers have told them they're the wrong person in the story and they just keep on telling them those same things over and over and over again to the point where they just give up going to church? I think people have given up because they don't see the transformation that Jesus promised. Jesus promised transformation. Jesus promised that there would be gifts of the Spirit. I remember hearing a story about John Wimber who started the Vineyard Church. He got saved from drugs and alcohol during the 70s. And when he read his Bible, he got saved. He came to church. And he said, after the end of the service, he went to the pastor. And he said, okay, uh, when do we do the stuff? And the pastor said, what do you mean? The service is over. He said, the stuff. The stuff in the Bible where we pray for people and they get healed. Where demons get cast out. Where the future is told to those who need to know it. Where, where the revelation gifts are. I mean, when do we do the stuff? I'm being honest with you. He said, where's the stuff? How many are tired of powerless preaching? How many are tired of just motivational preaching? If you, if, if you don't know the powerlessness of it, you haven't done enough of it yet. It won't be there for you when you need it most. The Word of God will. We need to preach the power of the Word of God. Because of this, the love of, uh, of many will grow cold. We need to hang on tight here until Jesus comes back and set the world on fire. Amen? I want to be a John the Baptist generation on fire for Jesus. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached where? In the whole world. Where will it be preached? Will it be preached in Iraq? Will it be preached in Afghanistan? Will it be preached to Hindus in India? Will it be preached in Southeast Asia and Singapore? It will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus commanded his disciples to preach the gospel to the whole world. You've already read that. He said, now go into all the whole world and tell them all the stories the preachers tell you on Sunday. No, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you know I, as a preacher, I, I'm an emotional guy. You know, I know people like some of my stories. I could tell you a story right now of my pet dog who died, Joy, and how he was my only friend when I was pastor in a church in New Orleans. And God gave me the dog, and I named her Joy because she was joy to me. Come on, see, y'all, y'all already there. And I was doing my prayer walk, and as I was doing my prayer walk, I felt that I could take her off her leash. She got off her leash. She ran out into the street, got hit by a car. My Joy died. See, I could tell you stories like that, right? But what is that going to do when you walk out of here and your joy dies? Just me telling you a story about my dog? Even the greatest of our testimonies, if they are not found in the Word of God, will not hold you through the storm. Trust me, as a preacher and someone who served God over 20 years, even just your word of the testimony will not hold me through the storm. But the word of the, go of the gospel in your testimony holds me through the storm. Who defeats the devil? Those who have a testimony love their life unto death, right? So our testimonies are testimonies of what? God's grace, his gospel. Not just I was a bad person, became a good person. Have you ever met people like that? They did it another way. I've met people like that all the time. They say, oh, man, I was locked up, and then all these things happened to me, and then I met this wonderful woman. Now I'm doing great. I have a business. Never mentioned Jesus. But now they see the life changed. I've had people tell me all the time, you know, until I had my kids, I was always running the streets. Now I've had kids. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I once was dead in my sins. Jesus Christ made me alive. Now I'm the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now I can do all good things through him. Amen. That's the gospel. We preach it to all creation. Did the disciples do it? Absolutely. You read the book of Acts. Is it the book of sitting? Why is it called the book of Acts? It's a book of action. And what are they doing? 
Are they writing your best life now, novels and books? Are they doing these things? No, they're preaching the gospel. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice that among the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Oh, to God that every place you and I go, we could say the Lord made a choice for me to be here right now from my lips to preach to you the gospel. Did you ever think that the job was there for you to preach the gospel? I'm not talking about losing your job being crazy. I'm just saying, like, did you ever think about that was the reason why we have jobs with sinners? Did you ever think about that's why you have a family the way you do? It's for the preaching of the gospel? Because a lot of times what we do is we make our job the center, and we say the gospel's way out here. No, the gospel is the center, and our job's out here, and our family's out here. And if you look at it, it's like a spoke, and what makes it go around is the gospel. That's what makes my life go around is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether I'm a plumber, a candlestick maker, or a baker, everything is for God and his glory. I just heard a man give a testimony about his business, uh, Nini's Deli, and how God has been prospering it on Yelp and prospering their business. And he said, you know what? God told me if I put him first, he'll put us first. And they're at the top of the ratings of all the cities, uh, all the places you can go in this city. Are you listening to me? I'm just wondering if there's any inventors here that want to be on the spoke of Jesus, that want to put their lives on the spokes of Jesus and let him revolve the gospel. Let him revolve your life around the gospel. Paul preached the gospel because he said it was the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel, what is revealed to us? The righteousness of God. That's your destination. So that it's by faith from first to last. This says, written, the righteous will live by faith. Look at this. The gospel is your priestly duty. We're not supposed to have priests walking around calling themselves Father Tom wearing some robe. Are you listening? The priests of the New Testament are the proclaimers of the gospel. I wish I had half a church to believe that. But why would, rather, why would people rather go to Father Tom? Because then they have no more obligation, do they? They've got such a busy life. Let Father Tom absolve me of my sins. Hey, I went to the priest. It's all good. No, you got a priestly duty up in this Bible. And just like how the priest had to be faithful to it, you and I are going to be judged on our faithfulness. Have we been faithful to do what God has called us to do? He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What is your offering to God? And I love that we clap our hands and get excited in church, and our praise can be an offering. But what is an offering beyond our praise to God? The what? What's, what's an offering? The gospel touching people's lives. How many are you bringing with you to heaven? Come on, how many are you bringing? Don't let the world lie to you. They don't love you people, but yet you're worshiping the same idols they worship. Some of you make Baez your idol. Baez don't love you. He don't love you. He'll get transferred next year and say he loves another city more than he loves you, and he'll beat the Cubs if he gets paid more to do it. Now, I know we can get into sports and all that, but listen to me. Don't love the world or the things in the world. For whoever loves the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life does not have the love of the Father. Don't love this world, my friends. It will not love you back. Now, some say is there a contradiction from John saying, love not the world, the things in the world, but then John 3.16, love the world. No, it's the same author, two different letters. One is the gospel of John, one is the epistle of John. What I do not love is the sinful things in the world. What I love like God is the people in the world. That's where we get the saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. Can I hear an amen? I'm bringing, I'm bringing saints, saved sinners that have become saints with me to heaven by the grace of God, not by us. God does the saving. 
Why do people resist the gospel? Because the devil has hid it from them. Have you ever met someone that doesn't understand it, that's veiled? Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. Sounds a lot like blind Bartimaeus to me, if we're going to use it allegorically speaking, right? So who are the blind people of the Bible? Who are the dead ones like Lazarus in a grave? Who are the sick ones that can't get themselves over into the gospel? Who are they? They're the lost. And what are we supposed to do? Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we preach to the ones who are blind. That's what we say to the Lazarus is dead in the ditch. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. The gospel will set you free. Can I hear an amen? I wish I had a bigger amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Number nine, we reject the false gospels. Now, why is it in closing? Come on, give me your attention. Why is it when I talk like this, preaching the gospel, you think more about Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons than you do Christians? Because about 100% of them go out and preach, don't they? And yet we know they have a false gospel. Now, how much more so should you give them a run for their money? I want every Mormon in this town to know about us. I want every Jehovah Witness to know about us. When I wrote my book on Islam, I sent out our gospel preachers to every one of their, their, their mosques around here, and I said, tell them there's another man in town that has something to say about Muhammad. I'll debate this book in front of any of them. Are you listening to me? We've brought Mormons into this church and debated them. The Jehovah Witnesses walk on the other side of the street because they scurred. Are you listening? Now, we love them in Jesus' name, but it's on like Donkey Kong. We will outdo them. We will outpreach them. We will work harder than them, as Paul said, because we've got the real gospel. And I love, I love them with the deepest part of my heart. You better understand that today. And I've been to India. I've seen what paganism looks like. Some of you haven't even been to a place like that, have no idea what karma and all that stuff leads to. I have seen their religion. I have seen the beggars rejected by their caste society because of what they've been taught by their demonic gods. You heard Adam talk about us casting out demons in India. There's a video of us doing it. I love people, but if you don't have the right gospel, even if an angel tells it to you, you better reject it. Reject false gospels, amen? And to clarify, I don't think the friends that I've mentioned today, T.D. Jakes, whoever has false gospels, I just think they keep treating you like you're a sinner in the gospel. They need to get you to the saved side of the gospel, amen? And all churches need to do that. And say my name, preachers, amen, wherever the camera's at. Say my name if I stop preaching the gospel. I can take it. Philippians 1:27. whatever happens to yourself, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. How are you going to live your life according to what? According to what uh, Oprah says? According to what? Who, who, what's the new one here in Chicago? What's his name? The talk show guy. What's his name? No, 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 no. Steve, oh, yeah, Steve Hardy. Thank you. You going to live your life according to him or to the gospel? Therefore, whether I come to you or only hear about you in absence, I will know you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Do you think if someone was to visit us, they would say we're striving for the gospel in this church? I hope that they do. That's what I'm going to be judged by. Disciples serve and work for the gospel. Many of you say, well, I'll help. I'll watch the kids. I'll do X, Y, and Z. That's great, but we better serve the gospel. But you know that Timothy has proved himself as a son with his father. He has served me in the work of the what? How important is it to work for the gospel? Jesus said we should pray for it. How many times have I showed you scriptures where we should be doing it? What are you going to do with the gospel? Now, can I tell you this right here? This is the sad part. God will punish those who don't obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10, he will punish those who do not know and obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who do not know God and obey the gospel. You'll get punished for two things. What will it be? Not knowing who and for not obeying what? 
How many people do you know right now that don't know God or don't obey the gospel? Are tears coming down your eyes when you pray for them? Does it bother you? We have all these conferences. We have all of these conferences. We do things right now that Billy Graham's generation never dreamed of. We're online. We have conferences. We have concerts. We have books. We have multimedia. And yet there are more people going to hell in Chicago now than when the time of Billy Graham's uh, crusades were in Soldier Stadium. What changed? People were always sinners. People own guns too. You know that, right? You go down south, almost everybody owns a gun. You go right now into southern Illinois, you, you, you go right now into Cicero, Illinois, down south, you go where my, my Mount Vernon, you go to these places where my grandpa lived, almost every single person got a gun. Why aren't they killing each other out in some farm somewhere? Why is it our young people got fixated on this? Where did the violence come from? There was always perversion. You could always have sex with a man if you wanted to as another man, couldn't you? Nothing was stopping you. But why weren't they doing it? They had TV, they had movies. Why weren't they making movies about it? Because we're in the end times. Hearts are growing cold. Man's consciences are being seared. What do you think that relates to? A lukewarm church. What failed the black community? The church. What failed the white community? The church. When we retreated, they came out the closet. When we went into the closet, they came out the closet. Do you understand? When we stopped preaching our gospel, they preached theirs. When we stopped living the gospel, they lived out theirs. Now they march in our city proud of their homosexuality, don't they? They're proud of it. Now they make music about what? What does Lil Wayne make music about? Come on, baby, let's do the twist. Is that what the music is about? Is Beyonce like the, the, the ones back in the 1940s, the singers of the 40s singing then? Come on. What changed in our music was what changed in our hearts. Is we made idols out of these people. The church stopped preaching the gospel, and now we have false gods in the land. We still bow down to idols. We just don't call them Buddha and Krishna. We call them sports and entertainment, our job, our kids' college education. Have you ever been to U of I? Every parent wants to send their kids to college. That's my number one goal as a parent, want to send my kids to college. Have you ever done ministry there before? U of I has an STD epidemic, a suicide epidemic, a drunkenness and drug addiction epidemic. Are you listening to me? Sending your kids to college will not save their soul. You don't obey the gospel, you'll be punished with what everlasting destruction shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day when he comes to be what? Glorified. Somebody say like you mean it, to be what? Glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at all those who have what? Believe this includes you because you believed our testimony. If you're included in the gospel today, would you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to close out really quick. I went a little bit long on preaching. We will not keep you long. Thank you for your patience. I'm going to simply pray a prayer of dismissal, no more than 30 seconds. Here it is in closing now. If you don't have the gospel, let one of our prayer workers pray for you to receive the gospel. I remember when I received the gospel November 5th, 1995, as an 18-year-old uh, drug-using teenager. God changed my life. He'll do the same for you. And for all of you who would say, I have the gospel, but I'm not empowered with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. As Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then in Acts 2, it says they spoke in other tongues. If you have not received the, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues... You will receive that today. 
receive the gospel or receive the power of the gospel so that you can go out and share the gospel. Amen. Let's just pray in closing. Thank you again today for coming. Father, we ask you to help us to preach the gospel, those of us who already know it and those of us who don't, to receive it. Since I name names today, which I hardly ever do, I pray for each one of them to be blessed. As I preached against some of their techniques, I now pray for them. I pray for T.D. Jake, Stephen Furtick, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr., or uh, all these other, uh, Carl Lentz, these preachers that continue to preach us as the one broken, bleeding, blind, demonized. Lord, I pray that you'll set their heart on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it puts sinners where sinners be and saints where saints be. And may now we know who we are in this story. Those of us who have been saved, we're no longer the woman at the well. We're the one coming to the woman at the well. We are no longer the one demonized, dead, blind. We're going to the blind, the demonized, and the dead. In Jesus' name, if you believe it one more time, can you say amen? Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at life groups. If you want prayer, please come up. Otherwise, worship with us. Have a wonderful week, and thank you for coming. Fill us with the power of the gospel, Jesus. We believe today. For all those who go now, Lord, send them with the power of the gospel. For all those who stay, fill us up. Jesus, let your kingdom come in us and through us today. In the name of Jesus. We want the gospel, God. We want the gospel. All of it, Jesus. All of it, Jesus. On earth as it is in heaven. Set us on fire, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. filled with the Holy Spirit in this after party. Let's begin to speak in other tongues right now. Come on. Let's encourage those receiving prayer right now. We do warfare right now. We tear down the strongholds of the enemy. We intercede. Come on, Holy Spirit, fuego, fuego, Espíritu Santo, fuego de Dios, right now, right now, more, más, más, set us on fire, set us on fire, Jesus. Come on, just a few moments, then we'll go back to singing, Jesus. up a warrior on the inside of us rise up warriors God you said we're more than conquerors you said we're co-laborers baptize us fill us Woo! this is a John the Baptist generation 
Jesus, Jesus, your kingdom. Your kingdom. Come on. Jesus. We don't just want more church services. We want a revival of the Holy Spirit. We want to see Pentecost come, God. 3,000 saved in one day, Jesus. Jesus, demons cast out, sick people healed. I want to see my neighbors saved. I want to see co-workers saved. I want to see my family saved. Jesus. Jesus. Libya, Singapore, Vietnam, Malaysia. Send us, God. Send us as your flames of fire. Send us, God. And have all those nations meet us here. Just a moment right now as we're praying. Keep praying. But as I was praying for the nations, the Lord reminded me. I have a neighbor from Thailand. I have another neighbor from Kazakhstan. I have another neighbor from India. I have another neighbor from Morocco. I have another neighbor from China. I have a neighbor from Latin America. Right now, we got to, as we pray for the nations, pray that we'll meet them here in this city. That we will meet every nation here in this city. That as they come for school, as they come for jobs, we will preach to them. Some of them have never even heard the, the gospel. Believe it or not, I get petty sometimes with my wife because I wear these sandals. These chanclas tear up my feet all the time. And I was getting a petty from a woman from Vietnam. I preached the gospel to her. She had never heard the gospel. Not one time. 30 seconds right now. Rachel, pray for us to meet the nations in every place we go today. Hallelujah, God. We thank Jesus. you, Lord, that you bring Come the nations on. to this city, God. Yes. That we walk down these streets. At we the restaurants with, oh, we God. go to. Come Everywhere on. we go, Lord Jesus, yes. the grocery store, God. Our neighbors, yes. the kids, oh, God, that bring their, their kids to our schools, God. Yes. The nations are in our reach, oh, God. Oh, and right Jesus. now, remind us, oh, God. This afternoon and throughout our lives, oh God, that we can touch the nations where we are. Give us a heart for the nations, Lord. Give us tears to cry for the nations, Lord. Let us see, oh God, the brokenness in their lives and the brokenness in your heart for them, God. Send us out, oh God. We don't need to get on a plane, but we need to get up on our feet, God, and reach them and touch them, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus for the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn, to burn in us, oh God. Jesus. Give us words of wisdom and yes. knowledge. Give us words, oh God, yes. to preach to them that they may understand the free gift of the yes. gospel. Jesus set our lives yes, ablaze Lord, the nations. for the nations. In Jesus' name. Jesus said in Psalm chapter 2, ask of me the nations, and I will give them as your inheritance. Adam, I pray now that you, uh, Adam, I ask that you will pray for every church in this city to be a gospel preaching church, not in the religion enterprise, not making money off of keeping people as sinners, but preaching the gospel, setting sinners free. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. hallelujah. Jesus. God, we ask that your fire would come to these churches, yes. God. Start God, with we ask us, that Jesus. your church, Start God, would be a light in darkness, God. Yes. Your church, God, would not hide from the truth. That your church, God, would not hide or, Father God, compromise the gospel for numbers. Would you just pause here? Anyone that can, come from your seat. Lay your hands on me right now. Come on. I fear God. I fear God as he continues to pray. That I never forget the gospel. Pray for me as Paul wanted you to pray. That I will fearlessly preach it. Come on, Adam. 
Oh, Jesus' name, Father, we ask right now your spirit would come and move like fire, God. That boldness would come. Boldness will come to your church, God. We lift up Joe right now in Jesus' name. That, God, that he will not fold under the pressure. He would not compromise your message, Jesus. That, God, just like a fire, God, like a hammer, he would go forth, God, and preach your word. God, we ask that your church... God, your disciples, God, your pastors would go and feel the same in such a time as this, God. We ask that there be a witness, a witness, God, amongst your church, amongst the body, God, that it wouldn't be just for the radical ones, but, God, it would be the norm. It would be the norm in your church, God. We ask for it, Lord. We ask you to be accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles, God, because where there's power, there there's healing. Where there's power, there is grace. Where there's power, there are souls being saved. And we ask for the city of Chicago, Lord. We ask for the city of Chicago, God, that you would come and you would move. And that even us, God, even us in the church, God, would take the mantle and we would go forth. And we wouldn't just say it's just a pastor's job, but we would look at the harvest and you would, you would say, send me, Lord. Send us, Lord. Send us, Lord. Send us, Lord. An uncompromising gospel, uncompromising message. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. To it, Lord. To it, Lord. To Send me out, oh, to the nations. Send me out, oh, to the city. Send me out, oh, wherever you lead me to. Send me. To the nations, send me out, oh. To the city, send me out, oh. Wherever you want me to. Come on. 
says the Lord oh, one more time not by mine oh not by my but by my spirit not by my but by my spirit and not by my but by my spirit says the Could we just sing it a few more times? It's not going to be you. It's going to be God in you. Not by my, but by my spirit. Not by my, Come on, thank you for everyone praying for me. Because I'm praying for you. That it's going to be by the spirit. Spirit says the Lord. Just a few more times as we lift up our voices. Come on, Rudy. Not by my, not by my, even the young will grow teary and, and they'll get tired. Oh, but those who wait on the Lord, they will mount up on the wings of eagles. They will run and not faint, walk and not grow in. Spirit says the Lord. in ourselves, Paul said. But in our weakness, he is made strong. One more time, and then we'll just sing whatever the Lord gives. But one more time, come on. Not by my... That's not how we're going to Ohio Park. That's not how we're going to the governmental offices. That's not how we're tearing down the devil. We're doing it by the Spirit. Come on, I want one of our psalmists now, Adam or Rachel, to get another song before we go. I just sense the Lord here. Why be in a hurry, right? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Give one of our psalmists another song of the Spirit, Jesus. As they're getting it, just worship in your own words. Sing the song of heaven in my life. Would you walk with me? So would you walk with me? Yeah. 
Come on, sing that. Would you walk with me? Let's go on a walk with Jesus today down the seaside of of Galilee. Win more disciples. Let's walk to the hurting and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Would you walk with me? Would you walk with me? Yes, I will go. Jesus, Jesus. Would you walk with me? Yes, I will go. Would you walk with me? Yes, I will go. Would you walk with me? Oh, praise the Lord for this after party. As we get ready to dismiss the band, you may still pray and worship. But I just ask that we will remember this is what the Father has called us to do. This is the Father's business. Business is good. He just needs more workers. Come on. The business is so good. He needs more workers. And he says he wants you to do it. And we say yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, let's preach the gospel. Amen. Thank you for staying after party. Keep praying and worshiping if you would like to.